Chapter forty five of The Golden Bough. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Golden Bough by Sir James Fraser. Chapter forty five. The Corn Mother and the Corn Maiden in Northern Europe. It has been argued by W. Manhart that the first part of Demeter's name is derived from an alleged Cretan word, Dei, barley, and that accordingly Demeter means neither more nor less than barley mother or corn mother, for the root of the word seems to have been applied to different kinds of grain by different branches of the Aryans. As Crete appears to have been one of the most ancient seats of the worship of Demeter, it would not be surprising if her name were of Cretan origin. But the etymology is open to serious objections, and it is safer, therefore, to lay no stress on it. Be that as it may, we have found independent reasons for identifying Demeter as the Corn Mother, and of two species of corn associated with her in Greek religion, namely barley and wheat, the barley has perhaps the better claim to be her original element. For not only would it seem to have been the staple food of the Greeks in the Homeric age, but there are grounds for believing that it is one of the oldest, if not the very oldest, cereal cultivated by the Aryan race. Certainly the use of barley in the religious ritual of the ancient Hindus, as well as of the ancient Greeks, furnishes a strong argument in favour of the great antiquity of its cultivation, which is known to have been practised by the lake-dwellers of the Stone Age in Europe. Analogies to the corn-mother or barley-mother of ancient Greece have been collected in great abundance by W. Manhart from the folklore of modern Europe. The following may serve as specimens. In Germany the corn is very commonly personified under the name of the corn-mother, Thus in spring, when the corn waves in the wind, the peasants say, There comes the corn-mother, or The corn-mother is running over the field, or The corn-mother is going through the corn. When children wish to go into the fields to pull the blue corn-flowers or the red poppies, they are told not to do so, because the corn-mother is sitting in the corn and will catch them. Or again she is called, according to the crop, the rye-mother or the pea-mother, and children are warned against straying in the rye or among the peas by threats of the rye-mother or the pea-mother. Again the corn-mother is believed to make the crop grow. Thus in the neighbourhood of Magdeburg it is sometimes said, It will be a good year for flax, the flax-mother has been seen. In a village of Styria it is said that the corn-mother, in the shape of a female puppet, made out of the last sheaf of corn and dressed in white, may be seen at midnight in the cornfields, which she fertilises by passing through them. But if she is angry with a farmer, she withers up all his corn. Further, the corn-mother plays an important part in harvest customs. She is believed to be present in the handful of corn which is left standing last on the field, and with the cutting of this last handful she is caught or driven away or killed. In the first of these cases the last sheaf is carried joyfully home and honoured as a divine being. It is placed in the barn, and at threshing the corn spirit appears again. In the Hanoverian district of Hadeln, 
the reapers stand round the last sheaf and beat it with sticks in order to drive the corn-mother out of it. They call to each other, There she is, hit her! Take care she doesn't catch you! The beating goes on till the grain is completely threshed out. Then the corn-mother is believed to be driven away. In the neighbourhood of Danzig, the person who cuts the last ears of corn makes them into a doll, which is called the corn-mother, or the old woman, and is brought home on the last wagon. In some parts of Holstein, the last sheaf is dressed in woman's clothes, and called the corn-mother. It is carried home on the last wagon, and then thoroughly drenched with water. The drenching with water is doubtless a rain-charm. In the district of Bruck in Styria, the last sheaf, called the corn-mother, is made up into the shape of a woman by the oldest married woman in the village, of an age from fifty to fifty-five years. The finest ears are plucked out of it and made into a wreath, which, twined with flowers, is carried on her head by the prettiest girl of the village to the farmer or squire, while the corn-mother is laid down in the barn to keep off the mice. In other villages of the same district, the corn-mother, at the close of harvest, is carried by two lads at the top of a pole. They march behind the girl who wears the wreath to the squire's house, and while he receives the wreath and hangs it up in the hall, the corn-mother is placed on the top of a pile of wood, where she is the centre of the harvest supper and dance. Afterwards she is hung up in the barn, and remains there till the threshing is over. The man who gives the last stroke at threshing is called the son of the corn-mother. He is tied up in the corn-mother, beaten, and carried through the village. The wreath is dedicated in church on the following Sunday, and on Easter Eve the grain is rubbed out of it by a seven-year-old girl and scattered amongst the young corn. At Christmas the straw of the wreath is placed in the manger to make the cattle thrive. Here the fertilising power of the corn-mother is plainly brought out by scattering the seed taken from her body, for the wreath is made out of the corn-mother, among the new corn, and her influence over animal life is indicated by placing the straw in the manger. Amongst the Slavs also, the last sheaf is known as the rye-mother, the wheat-mother, the oats-mother, the barley-mother, and so on, according to the crop. In the district of Tarnow, Galicia, the wreath made out of the last stalks is called the wheat-mother, rye-mother, or pea-mother. It is placed on a girl's head and kept till spring, when some of the grain is mixed with the seed-corn. Here again the fertilising power of the corn-mother is indicated. In France also, in the neighbourhood of Auxerre, the last chief goes by the name of the mother of the wheat, mother of the barley, mother of the rye, or mother of the oats. They leave it standing in the field till the last wagon is about to wend homewards. Then they make a puppet out of it, dress it with clothes belonging to the farmer, and adorn it with a crown and a blue or white scarf. A branch of a tree is stuck in the breast of the puppet, which is now called the Ceres. At the dance in the evening, the Ceres is set in the middle of the floor, and the reaper who reaped fastest dances round it with the prettiest girl for his partner. After the dance a pyre is made. All the girls, each wearing a wreath, strip the puppet, pull it to pieces, and place it on the pyre, along with the flowers with which it was adorned. 
Then the girl who was the first to finish reaping sets fire to the pile, and all pray that Ceres may give a fruitful year. Here, as Manhart observes, the old custom has remained intact, though the name Ceres is a bit of schoolmaster's learning. In Upper Brittany the last sheaf is always made into human shape, but if the farmer is a married man, it is made double, and consists of a little corn puppet placed inside a large one. This is called the mother sheaf. It is delivered to the farmer's wife, who unties it and gives drink money in return. Sometimes the last sheaf is called not the corn mother, but the harvest mother, or the great mother. In the province of Osnabrück, Hanover, it is called the harvest mother. It is made up in female form, and then the reapers dance about with it. In some parts of Westphalia, the last sheaf at the rye harvest is made especially heavy by fastening stones in it. They bring it home on the last wagon and call it the Great Mother, though they do not fashion it into any special shape. In the district of Erfurt, a very heavy sheaf, not necessarily the last, is called the Great Mother and is carried on the last wagon to the barn, where all hands lift it down amid a fire of jokes. Sometimes again the last sheaf is called the grandmother, and is adorned with flowers, ribbons, and a woman's apron. In East Prussia, at the rye or wheat harvest, the reapers call out to the woman who binds the last sheaf, You are getting the old grandmother! In the neighbourhood of Magdeburg, the men and women servants strive who shall get the last sheaf, called the grandmother. Whoever gets it will be married in the next year, but his or her spouse will be old. If a girl gets it, she will marry a widower. If a man gets it, he will marry an old crone. In Silesia, the grandmother, a huge bundle made up of three or four sheaves by the person who tied the last sheaf, was formerly fashioned into a rude likeness of the human form. In the neighbourhood of Belfast, the last sheaf sometimes goes by the name of Granny. It is not cut in the usual way, but all the reapers throw their sickles at it and try to bring it down. It is plated and kept till the next autumn. Whoever gets it will marry in the course of the year. Often the last sheaf is called the old woman or the old man. In Germany it is frequently shaped and dressed as a woman and the person who cuts it or binds it is said to get the old woman. At Altisheim in Swabia, when all the corn of a farm has been cut except a single strip, all the reapers stand in a row before the strip. Each cuts his share rapidly, and he who gives the last cut has the old woman. When the sheaves are being set up in heaps, the person who gets hold of the old woman, which is the largest and thickest of all the sheaves, is jeered at by the rest, who call out to him, He has the old woman and must keep her. The woman who binds the last sheaf is sometimes herself called the old woman, and it is said that she will be married in the next year. In Neusars, West Prussia, both the last sheaf, which is dressed up in jacket, hat and ribbons, and the woman who binds it are called the old woman. Together they are brought home on the last wagon and are drenched with water. In various parts of North Germany, the last sheaf at harvest is made up into a human effigy and called the old man, 
and the woman who bound it is said to have the old man. In West Prussia, when the last rye is being raked together, the women and girls hurry with the work, for none of them likes to be the last and to get the old man, that is, a puppet made out of the last sheaf, which must be carried before the other reapers by the person who was the last to finish. In Silesia, the last sheaf is called the old woman or the old man, and is the theme of many jests. It is made unusually large, and is sometimes weighted with a stone. Among the Wends, the man or woman who binds the last sheaf at wheat harvest is said to have the old man. A puppet is made out of the wheaten straw and ears in the likeness of a man, and decked with flowers. The person who bound the last sheaf must carry the old man home, while the rest laugh and jeer at him. The puppet is hung up in the farmhouse, and remains till a new old man is made at the next harvest. In some of these customs, as Manhart has remarked, the person who is called by the same name as the last sheaf, and sits beside it on the last wagon, is obviously identified with it. He or she represents the corn-spirit which has been caught in the last sheaf. In other words, the corn-spirit is represented in duplicate, by a human being and by a sheaf. The identification of the person with the sheaf is made still clearer by the custom of wrapping up in the last sheaf the person who cuts or binds it. Thus at Helmsdorf in Silesia it used to be the regular practice to tie up in the last sheaf the woman who had bound it. At Weiden in Bavaria it is the cutter, not the binder, of the last sheaf who is tied up in it. Here the person wrapped up in the corn represents the corn spirit, exactly as a person wrapped in branches or leaves represents the tree spirit. The last sheaf, designated as the old woman, is often distinguished from the other sheaves by its size and weight. Thus, in some villages of West Prussia, the old woman is made twice as long and thick as a common sheaf, and a stone is fastened in the middle of it. Sometimes it is made so heavy that a man can barely lift it. At Alt Pilau in Samland, eight or nine sheaves are often tied together to make the old woman, and the man who sets it up grumbles at its weight. At Itzgrund in Saxe-Coburg, the last sheaf, called the old woman, is made large with the express intention of thereby securing a good crop next year. Thus the custom of making the last sheaf unusually large or heavy is a charm, working by sympathetic magic, to ensure a large and heavy crop at the following harvest. In Scotland, when the last corn was cut after Hallowmas, the female figure made out of it was sometimes called the Carlin or Carline, that is, the old woman. But if cut before Hallowmas, it was called the maiden. If cut after sunset, it was called the witch, being supposed to bring bad luck. Among the highlanders of Scotland, the last corn cut at harvest is known either as the old wife, Kalyach, or as the maiden. On the whole, the former name seems to prevail in the western, and the latter in the central and eastern districts. Of the maiden we shall speak presently. Here we are dealing with the old wife. The following general account of the custom is given by a careful and well-informed inquirer, the Rev. J. G. Campbell, minister of the remote Hebridean island of Tyree. 
the harvest old wife, Achalyach. In harvest there was a struggle to escape from being the last done with the shearing, and when tillage in common existed, instances were known of a ridge being left unshorn. No person would claim it, because of it being behind the rest. The fear entertained was having the famine of the farm, Gortawalje, in the shape of an imaginary old woman, Kaljach, to feed till next harvest. Much emulation and amusement arose from the fear of this old woman. The first done made a doll of some blades of corn, which was called the old wife, and sent it to his nearest neighbour. He, in turn, when ready, passed it to another, still less expeditious, and the person it last remained with had the old woman to keep for that year. In the island of Islay, the last corn cut goes by the name of the old wife, Kaljach, and when she has done her duty at harvest, she is hung up on the wall and stays there till the time comes to plough the fields for next year's crop. Then she is taken down, and on the first day when the men go to plough, she is divided among them by the mistress of the house. They take her in their pockets and give her to the horses to eat when they reach the field. This is supposed to secure good luck for the next harvest, and is understood to be the proper end of the old wife. Usages of the same sort are reported from Wales. Thus, in North Pembrokeshire, a tuft of the last corn cut, from six to twelve inches long, is plated and goes by the name of the hag, Urach, and quaint old customs used to be practised with it, within the memory of many persons still alive. Great was the excitement among the reapers when the last patch of standing corn was reached. All in turn threw their sickles at it, and the one who succeeded in cutting it received a jug of home-brewed ale. The hag, Urach, was then hurriedly made and taken to a neighbouring farm, where the reapers were still busy at their work. This was generally done by the ploughman, but he had to be very careful not to be observed by his neighbours, for if they saw him coming, and had the least suspicion of his errand, they would soon make him retrace his steps. Creeping stealthily up behind a fence, he waited till the foreman of his neighbour's reapers was just opposite him, and within easy reach. Then he suddenly threw the hag over the fence, and if possible upon the foreman's sickle. At that he took to his heels, and made off as fast as he could run, and he was a lucky man if he escaped without being caught or cut by the flying sickles which the infuriated reapers hurled after him. In other cases the hag was brought home to the farmhouse by one of the reapers. He did his best to bring it home dry, and without being observed, but he was apt to be roughly handled by the people of the house if they suspected his errand. Sometimes they stripped him of most of his clothes. Sometimes they would drench him with water, which had been carefully stored in buckets and pans for the purpose. If, however, he succeeded in bringing the hag in, dry and unobserved, the master of the house had to pay him a small fine, or sometimes a jug of beer from the cask next to the wall, which seems to have commonly held the best beer, would be demanded by the bearer. The hag was then carefully hung on a nail in the hall or elsewhere, and kept there all the year. The custom of bringing in the hag, or ach, into the house, and hanging it up, still exists in some farms of North Pembrokeshire, but the ancient ceremonies which have just been described are now discontinued.
in County Antrim, down to some years ago, when the sickle was finally expelled by the reaping machine, the few stalks of corn left standing last on the field were plaited together. Then the reapers, blindfolded, threw their sickles at the plaited corn, and whoever happened to cut it through took it home with him and put it over his door. This bunch of corn was called the Kali, probably the same word as Karlin. Similar customs are observed by Slavonic peoples. Thus in Poland the last sheaf is commonly called the Baba, that is, the old woman. In the last sheaf, it is said, sits the Baba. The sheaf itself is also called the Baba, and is sometimes composed of twelve smaller sheaves lashed together. In some parts of Bohemia, the Baba, made out of the last sheaf, has the figure of a woman with a great straw hat. It is carried home on the last harvest wagon, and delivered, along with a garland, to the farmer by two girls. In binding the sheaves, the women strive not to be last, for she who binds the last sheaf will have a child next year. Sometimes the harvesters call out to the woman who binds the last sheaf, She has the Baba, or She is the Baba. In the district of Krakow, when a man binds the last sheaf, they say, The grandfather is sitting in it. When a woman binds it, they say, The Baba is sitting in it and the woman herself is wrapped up in the sheaf, so that only her head projects out of it. Thus encased in the sheaf, she is carried on the last harvest wagon to the house, where she is drenched with water by the whole family. She remains in the sheaf till the dance is over, and for a year she retains the name of Baba. In Lithuania, the name for the last sheaf is Boba, old woman, answering to the Polish name Baba. The boba is said to sit in the corn which is left standing last. The person who binds the last sheaf or digs the last potato is the subject of much banter and receives and long retains the name of the old rye woman or the old potato woman. The last sheaf, the boba, is made into the form of a woman, carried solemnly through the village on the last harvest wagon and drenched with water at the farmer's house. Then everyone dances with it. In Russia also, the last sheaf is often shaped and dressed as a woman, and carried with dance and song to the farmhouse. Out of the last sheaf, the Bulgarians make a doll, which they call the corn queen, or corn mother. It is dressed in a woman's skirt, carried round the village, and then thrown into the river, in order to secure plenty of rain and dew for the next year's crop. Or it is burnt, and the ashes strewn on the fields, doubtless to fertilise them. The name Queen, as applied to the last chief, has its analogies in central and northern Europe. Thus, in the Salzburg district of Austria, at the end of the harvest, a great procession takes place in which a queen of the corn-ears, Ehrenkönigin, is drawn along in a little carriage by young fellows. The custom of the harvest queen appears to have been common in England. Milton must have been familiar with it, for in Paradise Lost he says, Adam the while, waiting desirous her return, had wove of choicest flowers a garland to adorn her tresses, and her rural labour's crown as reapers oft are wont their harvest queen. 
Often customs of this sort are practised, not on the harvest field, but on the threshing floor. The spirit of the corn, fleeing before the reapers as they cut down the ripe grain, quits the reaped corn and takes refuge in the barn, where it appears in the last sheaf threshed, either to perish under the blows of the flail, or to flee thence to the still unthreshed corn of a neighbouring farm. Thus the last corn to be threshed is called the mother corn, or the old woman. Sometimes the person who gives the last stroke with the flail is called the old woman, and is wrapped in the straw of the last sheaf, or has a bundle of straw fastened on his back. Whether wrapped in the straw or carrying it on his back, he is carted through the village amid general laughter. In some districts of Bavaria, Thuringen, and elsewhere, the man who threshes the last sheaf is said to have the old woman or the old corn woman. He is tied up in straw, carried or carted about the village, and set down at last on the dunghill, or taken to the threshing floor of a neighbouring farmer who has not finished his threshing. In Poland, the man who gives the last stroke at threshing is called Baba, old woman. He is wrapped in corn and wheeled through the village. Sometimes in Lithuania the last sheaf is not threshed, but is fashioned into female shape and carried to the barn of a neighbour who has not finished his threshing. In some parts of Sweden, when a stranger woman appears on the threshing floor, a flail is put round her body, stalks of corn are wound round her head, a crown of ears is placed on her head, and the threshers call out, Behold the corn woman! Here the stranger woman, thus suddenly appearing, is taken to be the corn spirit, who has just been expelled by the flails from the corn stalks. In other cases, the farmer's wife represents the corn spirit. Thus in the commune of Saligny, Vendée, the farmer's wife, along with the last sheaf, is tied up in a sheet, placed on a litter, and carried to the threshing machine, under which she is shoved. Then the woman is drawn out, and the sheaf is threshed by itself, but the woman is tossed in the sheet, as if she were being winnowed. It would be impossible to express more clearly the identification of the woman with the corn than by this graphic imitation of threshing and winnowing her. In these customs, the spirit of the ripe corn is regarded as old, or at least as of mature age. Hence the names of mother, grandmother, old woman, and so forth. But in other cases, the corn spirit is conceived as young. Thus at Saldern, near Wolfenbüttel, when the rye has been reaped, three sheaves are tied together with a rope so as to make a puppet with the corn ears for a head. This puppet is called the maiden, or the corn maiden. Sometimes the corn spirit is conceived as a child who is separated from its mother by the stroke of the sickle. This last appears in the Polish custom of calling out to the man who cuts the last handful of corn, You have cut the navel string! In some districts of West Prussia, the figure made out of the last sheaf is called the bastard, and a boy is wrapped up in it. The woman who binds the last sheaf and represents the corn mother is told that she is about to be brought to bed. She cries like a woman in travail, and an old woman, in the character of grandmother, acts as midwife. At last a cry is raised that the child is born, whereupon the boy who is tied up in the sheaf whimpers and squalls like an infant. 
The grandmother wraps a sack, in imitation of swaddling bands, round the pretended baby, who is carried joyfully to the barn, lest he should catch cold in the open air. In other parts of North Germany, the last sheaf, or the puppet made out of it, is called the child, the harvest child, and so on. And they call out to the woman who binds the last sheaf, You are getting the child! In some parts of Scotland, as well as in the north of England, the last handful of corn cut on the harvest field was called the kern, and the person who carried it off was said to win the kern. It was then dressed up like a child's doll, and went by the name of the kern baby, the kern doll, or the maiden. In Berwickshire, down to about the middle of the nineteenth century, there was an eager competition among the reapers to cut the last bunch of standing corn. They gathered round it at a little distance, and threw their sickles in turn at it, and the man who succeeded in cutting it through gave it to the girl he preferred. She made the corn so cut into a kern dolly, and dressed it, and the doll was then taken to the farmhouse, and hung up there till the next harvest, when its place was taken by the new kern dolly. At Spottiswood in Berwickshire, the reaping of the last corn at harvest was called cutting the queen, almost as often as cutting the kern. The mode of cutting it was not by throwing sickles. One of the reapers consented to be blindfolded, and having been given a sickle in his hand, and turned twice or thrice about his fellows, he was bidden to go and cut the kern. His groping about and making wild strokes in the air with his sickle excited much hilarity. When he had tired himself out in vain, and given up the task as hopeless, another reaper was blindfolded, and pursued the quest, and so on, one after the other, till at last the kern was cut. The successful reaper was tossed up in the air with three cheers by his brother harvesters. To decorate the room in which the kern supper was held, at Spottiswood, as well as the granary, where the dancing took place, two women made kern dollies, or queens, every year and many of these rustic effigies of the corn-spirit may be seen hanging up together. In some parts of the highlands of Scotland, the last handful of corn that is cut by the reapers on any particular farm is called the maiden, or in Gaelic, Madian Bwagne, literally the shorn maiden. Superstitions attach to the winning of the maiden. If it is got by a young person, they think it an omen that he or she will be married before another harvest. For that or other reasons, there is strife between the reapers as to who shall get the maiden, and they resort to various stratagems for the purpose of securing it. One of them, for example, will often leave a handful of corn uncut, and cover it up with earth to hide it from the other reapers, till all the rest of the corn on the field is cut down. Several may try to play the same trick, and the one who is coolest, and holds out longest, obtains the coveted distinction. When it has been cut, the maiden is dressed with ribbons into a sort of doll, and affixed to a wall of the farmhouse. In the north of Scotland, the maiden is carefully preserved till Yule morning, when it is divided among the cattle, to make them thrive all the year round. In the neighbourhood of Balhwydr, Perthshire, the last handful of corn is cut by the youngest girl on the field, and is made into the rude form of a female doll, clad in a paper dress, and decked with ribbons. It is called the maiden, 
and is kept in the farmhouse, generally above the chimney, for a good while, sometimes till the maiden of the next year is brought in. The writer of this book witnessed the ceremony of cutting the maiden at Balquida in September 1888. A lady friend informed me that as a young girl she cut the maiden several times at the request of the reapers in the neighbourhood of Perth. The name of the maiden was given to the last handful of standing corn. A reaper held the top of the bunch while she cut it. Afterwards the bunch was plated, decked with ribbons, and hung up in a conspicuous place on the wall of the kitchen till the next maiden was brought in. The harvest supper in this neighbourhood was also called the maiden. The reapers danced at it. On some farms on the Gearloch in Dumbartonshire, about the year 1830, the last handful of standing corn was called the maiden. It was divided in two, plated, and then cut with the sickle by a girl, who, it was thought, would be lucky, and would soon be married. When it was cut, the reapers gathered together, and threw their sickles in the air. The maiden was dressed with ribbons, and hung in the kitchen near the roof, where it was kept for several years, with the date attached. Sometimes five or six maidens might be seen hanging at once on hooks. The harvest supper was called the kern. In other farms on the Gearloch, the last handful of corn was called the maidenhead, or the head. It was neatly plated, sometimes decked with ribbons, and hung in the kitchen for a year, when the grain was given to the poultry. In Aberdeenshire, the last sheaf cut, or maiden, is carried home in merry procession by the harvesters. It is then presented to the mistress of the house, who dresses it up to be preserved till the first mare falls. The maiden is then taken down and presented to the mare as its first food. The neglect of this would have untoward effects upon the foal, and disastrous consequences upon farm operations generally for the season. In the north-east of Aberdeenshire, the last sheaf is commonly called the Clyak sheaf. It used to be cut by the youngest girl present, and was dressed as a woman. Being brought home in triumph, it was kept till Christmas morning, and then given to a mare in foal, if there was one on the farm, or, if there was not, to the oldest cow in calf. Elsewhere the sheaf was divided between all the cows and their calves, or between all the horses and the cattle of the farm. In Fifeshire, the last handful of corn, known as the maiden, is cut by a young girl, and made into the rude figure of a doll, tied with ribbons, by which it is hung on the wall of the farm kitchen till the next spring. The custom of cutting the maiden at harvest was also observed in Invernessshire and Sutherlandshire. A somewhat maturer but still youthful age is assigned to the corn spirit by the appellations of bride, oats bride, and wheat bride, which in Germany are sometimes bestowed both on the last sheaf and on the woman who binds it. At wheat harvest, near Müglitz in Moravia, a small portion of the wheat is left standing after all the rest has been reaped. This remnant is then cut, amid the rejoicing of the reapers, by a young girl who wears a wreath of wheaten ears on her head, and goes by the name of the Wheat Bride. It is supposed that she will be a real bride that same year. Near Rosslyn and Stonehaven in Scotland, the last handful of corn cut, got the name of the bride, 
and she was placed over the breast or chimney-piece. She had a ribbon tied below her numerous ears, and another round her waist. Sometimes the idea implied by the name of bride is worked out more fully by representing the productive powers of vegetation as bride and bridegroom. Thus in the four hearts an oats-man and an oats-woman, swathed in straw, dance at the harvest feast. In South Saxony an oats-bridegroom and an oats-bride figure together at the harvest celebration. The oats-bridegroom is a man completely wrapped in oats-straw. The oats-bride is a man dressed in woman's clothes, but not wrapped in straw. They are drawn in a wagon to the alehouse, where the dance takes place. At the beginning of the dance, the dancers pluck the bunches of oats one by one from the oats-bridegroom, while he struggles to keep them, till at last he is completely stripped of them, and stands bare, exposed to the laughter and jests of the company. In Austrian Silesia, the ceremony of the wheat-bride is celebrated by the young people at the end of the harvest. The woman who bound the last sheaf plays the part of the wheat-bride, wearing the harvest crown of wheat-ears and flowers on her head. Thus adorned, standing beside her bridegroom in a wagon and attended by bridesmaids, she is drawn by a pair of oxen, in full imitation of a marriage procession, to the tavern where the dancing is kept up till morning. Somewhat later in the season the wedding of the oats-bride is celebrated with the like rustic pomp. About Nysa, in Silesia, an oats-king and an oats-queen, dressed up quaintly as a bridal pair, are seated on a harrow and drawn by oxen into the village. In these last instances the corn-spirit is personified in double form as male and female, but sometimes the spirit appears in a double form as both old and young, corresponding exactly to the Greek Demeter and Persephone, if my interpretation of these goddesses is right. We have seen that in Scotland, especially among the Gaelic-speaking population, the last corn-cut is sometimes called the old wife and sometimes the maiden. Now, there are parts of Scotland in which both an old wife, Kaliach, and a maiden are cut at harvest. The accounts of this custom are not quite clear and consistent, but the general rule seems to be that where both a maiden and an old wife, Kaliach, are fashioned out of the reaped corn at harvest, the maiden is made out of the last stalks left standing, and is kept by the farmer on whose land it was cut, while the old wife is made out of other stalks, sometimes out of the first stalks cut, and is regularly passed on to a laggard farmer, who happens to be still reaping after his brisker neighbour has cut all his corn. Thus, while each farmer keeps his own maiden, as the embodiment of the young and fruitful spirit of the corn, he passes on the old wife, as soon as he can, to a neighbour. And so the old lady may make the round of all the farms in the district, before she finds a place in which to lay her venerable head. The farmer, with whom she finally takes up her abode, is of course the one who has been the last of all the countryside to finish reaping his crops, and thus the distinction of entertaining her is rather an invidious one. He is thought to be doomed to poverty, or to be under the obligation of providing for the dearth of the township in the ensuing season. Similarly, we saw that in Pembrokeshire, 
where the last corn cut is called not the maiden but the hag, she is passed on hastily to a neighbour who is still at work in his fields, and who receives his aged visitor with anything but a transport of joy. If the old wife represents the corn-spirit of the past year, as she probably does wherever she is contrasted with and opposed to a maiden, it is natural enough that her faded charms should have less attractions for the husbandman than the buxom form of her daughter, who may be expected to become in her turn the mother of the golden grain when the revolving year has brought round another autumn. The same desire to get rid of the effete mother of the corn by palming her off on other people, comes out clearly in some of the customs observed at the closing of threshing, particularly in the practice of passing on a hideous straw puppet to a neighbour farmer who is still threshing his corn. The harvest customs just described are strikingly analogous to the spring customs which we reviewed in an earlier part of this work. 1. As in the spring customs the tree-spirit is represented both by a tree and by a person, so in the harvest customs the corn-spirit is represented both by the last sheaf and by the person who cuts or binds or threshes it. The equivalence of the person to the sheaf is shown by giving him or her the same name as the sheaf, by wrapping him or her in it, and by the rule observed in some places that when the sheaf is called the mother, it must be made up into human shape by the oldest married woman, but that when it is called the maiden, it must be cut by the youngest girl. Here the age of the personal representative of the corn-spirit corresponds with that of the supposed age of the corn-spirit, just as the human victims offered by the Mexicans to promote the growth of the maize varied with the age of the maize. For in the Mexican, as in the European, custom, the human beings were probably representatives of the corn-spirit, rather than victims offered to it. 2. Again, the same fertilising influence which the tree-spirit is supposed to exert over vegetation, cattle, and even women, is ascribed to the corn-spirit. Thus its supposed influence on vegetation is shown by the practice of taking some of the grain of the last sheaf, in which the corn-spirit is regularly supposed to be present, and scattering it among the young corn in spring, or mixing it with the seed-corn. Its influence on animals is shown by giving the last sheaf to a mare in foal, to a cow in calf, and to horses at the first ploughing. Lastly, its influence on women is indicated by the custom of delivering the mother-sheaf, made into the likeness of a pregnant woman, to a farmer's wife, by the belief that the woman who binds the last sheaf will have a child next year, perhaps too by the idea that the person who gets it will soon be married. Plainly, therefore, these spring and harvest customs are based on the same ancient modes of thought, and form parts of the same primitive heathendom, which was doubtless practised by our forefathers long before the dawn of history. Amongst the marks of a primitive ritual we may note the following. 1. No special class of persons is set apart for the performance of the rites. In other words, there are no priests. The rites may be performed by anyone, as occasion demands. 2. No special places are set apart for the performance of the rites. In other words, there are no temples. The rites may be performed anywhere, 
as occasion demands. 3. Spirits, not gods, are recognised. A. As distinguished from gods, spirits are restricted in their operations to definite departments of nature. Their names are general, not proper. Their attributes are generic rather than individual. In other words, there is an indefinite number of spirits of each class, and the individuals of a class are all much alike. They have no definitely marked individuality. No accepted traditions are current as to their origin, life, adventures, and character. B. On the other hand, gods, as distinguished from spirits, are not restricted to definite departments of nature. It is true that there is generally some one department over which they preside as their special province, but they are not rigorously confined to it. They can exert their power for good or evil in many other spheres of nature and life. Again, they bear individual or proper names, such as Demeter, Persephone, Dionysus, and their individual characters and histories are fixed by current myths and the representations of art. 4. The rites are magical rather than propitiatory. In other words, the desired objects are attained not by propitiating the favour of divine beings through sacrifice, prayer and praise, but by ceremonies which, as I have already explained, are believed to influence the course of nature directly through a physical sympathy or resemblance between the rite and the effect which it is the intention of the rite to produce. Judged by these tests, the spring and harvest customs of our European peasantry deserve to rank as primitive, for no special class of persons and no special places are set exclusively apart for their performance. They may be performed by any one, master or man, mistress or maid, boy or girl. They are practised not in temples or churches, but in the woods and meadows, beside brooks, in barns, on harvest fields and cottage floors. The supernatural beings whose existence is taken for granted in them are spirits rather than deities. Their functions are limited to certain well-defined departments of nature. Their names are general, like the barley mother, the old woman, the maiden, not proper names like Demeter, Persephone, Dionysus. Their generic attributes are known, but their individual histories and characters are not the subject of myths. For they exist in classes rather than as individuals, and the members of each class are indistinguishable. For example, every farm has its corn-mother, or its old woman, or its maiden, but every corn-mother is much like every other corn-mother, and so with the old woman and maidens. Lastly, in these harvest, as in the spring customs, the ritual is magical rather than propitiatory. This is shown by throwing the corn-mother into the river in order to secure rain and dew for the crops, by making the old woman heavy in order to get a heavy crop next year, by strewing grain from the last sheaf amongst the young crops in spring, and by giving the last sheaf to the cattle to make them thrive. End of chapter 45